subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. All right, Chuck, before football talk begins, you have an important question you have to answer because it was heated on the morning rush yesterday. Do you put ketchup or mustard on your hot dog? Mustard. Yeah. yeah. Straightforward. I mean, it's mustard. That is now. What, again, Ty, that's what the adults do. That's now 52 points for mustard and only 26 for uh, ketchup. Yeah. It's pretty lopsided. You put ketchup on your hot dog on like ketchup only? I do, Chuck. I do. I've done ketchup uh, and mustard before, but if I have the choice between uh, the two, now if there's just mustard, I I like mustard. But if I have the a choice, I'm taking ketchup mm. of the two. We had plenty of ketchup okay. there. There are people that texted and say, "Tommy, I'm 66 years old and I still put ketchup." Yeah, there was one dog. guy. So one. don't don't label it as just there was a one, kids one guy, thing. No, yeah. one just one guy. One guy. 26 I'm not votes. trying to imply you're weird or anything like that because a lot of people do put ketchup only. Mm-hmm. On their hot dogs, but I'm not one of those people. Yeah, they should be trusted. So, as far as you can throw them, I guess. Well, those are the people sitting at the card table they bring out of the closet at Thanksgiving. They, you know, when you have to set up the kids' table, you don't get to sit at the adult table. Those are the people putting ketchup on their hot dogs. I thought that was just for the single people too. There's the couples <laughs> and the uh, you have the the couples and the the adults, and then you have the kids and the the single people that get oh. thrust on the other table. I think it was the greatest you day. Don't- I- my oldest daughter's life when she thought she was going to get to sit at the adult table at Christmas rather than the kids' table. That was like graduation day for her, Chuck. Well, you don't want to be the guy, Ty, later on in life that goes to a fine steakhouse and gets your steak and asks for a bottle of A1. Too late. You, know, you want to... Uh, um, <laughs> I haven't done that. You know, you want to, uh, well, he asked for the ketchup. You know, yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, mustard for me, though. Back to your original question. Mustard, mustard for me. Okay. Well, I don't know what Sam Pittman... Maybe that was one of the questions we should have asked him on Wednesday. We did get some clarification about a few things. And one of the things you asked him, Chuck, was about the the offensive line, and I think, again, we've had the idea of what what the up-the-middle looks like. Uh, Brady Latham at left guard, Bo Limmer at center, and then Joshua Braun at le- right guard, and then he kind of went into Devin Manuel and Patrick Kudis a little bit. Here's Coach on the, the tackles and really the offensive line as a whole on Wednesday. Well, I feel pretty good about Manuel and Kudis. I, I do. I feel good about Crawford. And I think everybody has to start for the first time sometime. You look at your greatest players in the NFL, they had their first start at one point or another. Andrew Thomas, whom they're saying might be the best tackle in the NFL right now, at some point he had to start. And he had to start as a freshman. I feel the same way about Manuel and Kudis. I think they're really, really good players that just don't have the game experience. I like Tykees Crawford. He's the fastest offensive lineman on the team right now. I love the development of Andrew Chambly. So what you really want is you want guys that are playing tackle that are number two that will be this guy that goes in if you know you get a lead or you get an injury that he just plugs and plays we would really like to stay away from moving Brady Latham out to left tackle if something happened to Devin and I do think Crawford will be that guy at right tackle whether he beats Kudis out or not I don't know we'll have to wait and see but I think Chambly's the guy that I think is going to keep coming on where we can leave Brady where he is because you really don't want to make two moves with one injury. And we have not been in that situation yet to where we can just, the two is the two. And I think we're really close right now. You know, the big thing for me, I think, coming into the fall camp is how good is Amari Wiggins? Can he be that number two center where you don't have to move Kudis in there at that position, too? So I think those are the two biggest ones, center and obviously the tackles. Can we find four tackles? Can we find two centers? without having to move somebody else. Guys, I think he just defined what depth is there. You know, when you don't have to make two moves because of one injury, he's talking about the twos being the real twos, 
Chuck, that's that's the definition of how a coach sees what true depth is at a, at, at a position group. Well, yeah, and you're probably going to need, you know, most all of them at some point this year. And you don't want to have a situation where when you bring in your second guy, there's such a dramatic drop-off that the other guys, you know, start licking their chops. And, yeah, I mean, that's part of it, and they'll continue to do that. And, um, you know, he, he, as we said the other day, I mean, he's like these guys from the get-go. And I'll go back to something that, you know, Dave Van Orn said in baseball that, you know, they're not backups. They're just not starters who haven't gotten a start yet. You know, they're just starters whose turn hasn't come up yet. And now it's these guys' turn. And so we'll see how they handle it. But I think they'll be okay there. Uh, there may be some works in progress, and I'm sure there will be. But that's the nature of college sports is changing rosters and new players and new positions. And, you know, unfortunately – you don't have very many guys like a Sean Andrews or somebody like that that you can plug in as a freshman and know he's going to be there three or four years. And it's not like the pros where you can sign a guy to a five-year contract and know he's going to be your guard for the next five years. You've got to, you've got to change every couple of three years in college football. And these guys turn now. Well, you think about what you lost last year in Luke Jones, Ricky Stromberg, who's with the Washington Commanders, and also Dalton Wagner. Dalton was more the vocal leader. Ricky was more the leader by example, still talked and stuff. But I wonder of who this offensive line has who's going to emerge as an actual leader on the line of scrimmage. Maybe you'll see that whoever gets announces the captains. But that was one of the questions I had about the five guys that we anticipate to start on this offensive line? Well, I think the two obvious candidates are Latham and Limmer. Mm-hmm. You know, different type personalities. You know, Latham may be the guy that is the go-to guy for the media, so to speak. Um, but both these guys are good players. They're veterans. Uh, they're interchangeable. You know, uh, Limmer's moving to center now, and, you know, they knew last year that Limmer would be their center this year. And, you know, when he talks about they don't want to have to move Latham out to tackle, uh, the one thing within that statement is that Latham's good enough to move from guard to tackle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, both those guys are good players, and I would imagine that, you know, Braun's a veteran too, and we'll learn more about him as we go along. But of the ones that we know about, I would say Latham and Limmer are the two you know, obvious candidates there. The other thing you got to look at is what they were in terms of an offensive line unit this past season. I know offensively, a lot of your downs were when Malik Hornsby was in the ball game, or whether it's Cade Ford and your offense just wasn't as good, of course, because your starting quarterback's not in there. You did give up too many sacks and too many tackles for loss last year. You're outside the top 80 and 90 in those categories. And I know part of that is maybe Malik or KJ scrambling or Malik again, not being as efficient and K not being as efficient as well. But you hope those numbers go down a little bit this year, especially if KJ can stay healthier. Well, they got to go down a lot. And you know, that's the whole reason for what they've done. If, if, if you'll read between the lines and all the things that coach Pittman's saying and all the things that we've read about, um, you know, I think that, the mood's going to be a little bit different this year in practice. I'm not saying that it's not going to be fun, but I'm saying that they're going to coach them really hard. Uh, They're going to coach them really, really hard this year. I think that's something that's going to be different. I think it's happened in the summer already. Uh, It happened in the spring, and it's going to continue to happen in the fall. Um, I don't think it's going to be – again, it's going to be fun – but we're going to know who the coaches are. And I think that um, they're going to be very demanding in that respect. And I, obviously the hope is that when you get to those plays that you're talking about, you're able to get a push. Because regardless of who the quarterback is, if you don't get a push up front on third and short or in short yarded situations, you're not going to make the first down. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the running back is. If you don't get a push up front, you're, you're, you're dead in the water. I thought he gave us some good insight to his, to his thinking and maybe an adjustment in the way he's going about things when he, paraphrasing here, but he said you can't fear being disliked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's part of building toughness. You're going to have to ask people and de- not ask, demand people do things they're not going to like that they'll have to break through on. And, 
I, I think that's out the window right now. They don't care about winning a popularity contest with their roster, Chuck. I think it started this summer. Yeah. I think the tone is set in the weight room. I think that is set in the off season. I think it was set the day after the Missouri game. I mean, I really do. And it was a tone that things are about to be different around here. We're not doing this anymore. And it's going to be tough. And if it's not been tough enough in the weight room, it's about to be. Well, you overhauled half of your roster, approximately. What, 40 new players between high school players and transfers. And you got basically half a new coaching staff. So changing culture in today's college football, I think, is easier from the standpoint you can do it faster because you've changed out so many people that are acclimating to whatever tone you yeah. set right now. They don't know what the past was. It's all new to them. So if you want to change the culture, it's the perfect time when half your players are new and half your coaches well, are new. Lane Kiffin. Well, half of them are new, but half of them aren't. Well, yeah. half that's of a good them start. You don't. How often does it happen you get half I'm of not, the roster? I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying that it's, it's, it's yes, it is different in that respect, but you've got to win over your own kids mm -hmm. because the holdovers have opportunities to leave. And so you're changing the culture for the new guys, and you're right. I mean, you've got 35, 40 new guys. This is going to be the only thing they know from the time they walk in here, and that's good. But you're also going to have some valuable guys that are held over, and you've got to make certain that you know, you fit them in, too. And um, it's tough on kids, man. It's tough on these guys when they've been coached by someone for a year or two and they've spent a lot of time at their house eating dinner and they know their family and they play with their kids and then all of a sudden they got a new coach. So there's a lot more to it than, 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 than just to change it. There's a lot more to changing culture, I should say, than, than perhaps meets the eye. Two, two things there. One, I remember, I think Sam said it during the spring talking about, I think it was Jaden Hazelwood, maybe one other guy that just came in as the assumed starter. He, he said he changed that this year in the sense that no guy coming out of the portal, regardless of how talented, how good he is, is just the accepted starter. You got to earn it at some point. In fact, he said the guys were going to be put in that three or four man rotation, at least to start and then get to that point. Second, Lane Kiffin talked about this in media days. When you have so many different roster changes and guys coming in, it's it's a little less camaraderie at first, of course, because you're, you're playing with guys you've never played before. That's why it's so essential to get off to a good start because if you get if you hit some bumps and you hit some bad things early that the dichotomy and everything going on in that locker room is easier to break because the guys aren't used to playing 3 or 4 years together it's easier well, to absolutely unfold break apart and that was one of the things he talked about that happened with his team last year maybe so um you know the teams that fall apart a lot of times that's why. And the teams that hold it together are able to do a better job, perhaps, than they were able to do. I really do think you talk about, you know, easier to change the culture. One thing I do know is that with all these new players coming in over the course of, you know, what I'd call the first of the year, January, February, prior to, prior to spring practice, when the new semester begins, um, the most important person in their day-to-day football culture changing, if you want to use that mm -hmm. simple term, is the strength coach. Absolutely. He's the guy. And that's, uh, again, if you go back and you think about what happened immediately after the Missouri ball game and, you know, what transpired over the next several days and, you know, all the things that were going on in addition to preparing for the bowl game. So that's when it started and if you're not good in that area you're not going to have a real opportunity to change your culture in a hurry because you're bringing all these new guys in as you talked about 30 35 40 guys well they're all coming in about the same time and the first time you've got them all together is when that strength coach gets them and you don't uh, you don't need a counselor just to be blunt you don't need a counselor. You don't need a camp counselor welcoming them, you know, welcoming these kids to town. You need somebody to set the tone day one, and I think that's what they've got. But we'll see, you know. Still got to go out and do it on the field. All this talk about culture, and as you were laying it out there, Chuck, we're talking about it 
from a player perspective or dealing with the players, and we're talking about accountability, it makes me also wonder, as you were talking there, is has Sam transitioned and, and changed his game as the head coach to how he deals with staff? You mentioned, the, I mean, the very first move before the plane hit the, uh, hit the runway. He was making a change with his strength and conditioning coaches. The way he's managing his staff, his, his coaches, has he taken that to a different level? Well, I'm not sure. Um, you know, in many respects, he, he strikes me as being similar to what he was. But I think we all evolve in our jobs, and I'm sure he has. I'm sure everybody who becomes a head coach at that level, you have things that happen the first year or two that, you know, you, you put on your list of things that will never happen again. And things will happen in those first two or three years that you'll look at and say, we're on the right track here, but if we're going to get to where we want to go, we've got to do this. We've got to get better in this area. So I think you evolve, and I think he probably is. Um, I think that a good head coach has a very good feel for his program, all aspects of his program, and what that program needs. Now, you know, every kid's different. And every stage of your program may be different. There may be times when, you know, you don't feel like you got to be as tough. There may be times when you feel like you got to be tough as nails. Every group's different. But I think right now there's going to, there's already been a tone set. And as I said, I, I think it's going to be continued when practice starts. It, it, it seems, I know it's not a sea change what's going on here, but no, it it's seems, not. it just seems like we're going to the next level. He's leveling up, as they like to say now. Well, you know, let's say, for example, you know, every football team, when they finish 6-6, six and six, they look back and they say, you know, we were not good in this area. When you self-evaluate, you know, there's a reason we lost half and won half. Uh, we weren't good in these particular areas. Sometimes you may not be able to throw the football. So you say, well, we've got to work on our passing game. That's going to be our focal point. Sometimes you can't defend the pass. Um, and, well, we've got to do this. Sometimes you're bad in the kicking game. Well, sometimes you're bad physically. And by that, I mean you don't play with a physicality that you consider to be your brand. And so you work to correct that. And I don't think when you look at Arkansas from an offensive standpoint, certainly there are pieces you can point to and say, well, somebody's got to come through here, and that's absolutely the case on the defensive side. But obviously, in the head coach's mind, the biggest need was we've got to get back to our identity. We're going to be tougher than you are. We may not be loaded with five stars like you are, but we're going to be tougher than you. We're going to be better in the fight than you are. In the trenches, we're going to win. And that's what's going to give us a chance. They did that two years ago, and that gave them a chance. And they won those close games because they were in a position. Last year, couldn't do it as much. And that's why they went 6-6. Six and six. So... You know, you've got to identify the areas where you felt like you were weak, and then you've got to address those in the offseason, whatever they are. And I think the evidence is clear that above all other things, he felt like this was the thing that needed to be addressed most. And I suspect that we will see a team this year that plays with the identity that we saw two years ago. Now, whether or not they'll win nine games, I don't know. But I don't think anybody's going to push them around. Yeah, it's not like he, I mean, he dressed a couple of things. He didn't sit idly by. He didn't just keep it as is. There were several changes made in the offseason. Now, some he was reacting to, whether it's Barry Odom going to UNLV or Ken O'Brien's going to TCU, changing out the decision set. But the good thing is, and Tommy, you've always, you've, you've talked about this before when it comes to your position. As a head coach, and then also for Hunter as an athletics director, you always have to have that next guy up or the next 10 guys up or gals up. They have to fill a position. This wasn't like something he was ill-prepared for. No. He knew he had a plan in place with Dan Enos. He seemed to have a plan in place with Travis Williams. In addition to that, with Marcus Woodson, he seemed to have a carefully constructed, thought-out formula if this happens or, hey, we need to make a change in the strength going right there. These seem to happen relatively quickly with these hires. I, I see a guy that understands what six and six is, and he, he recognizes it as unacceptable, and he knows that another six and six year may not get you fired, but it sets you down a path you don't want to go down as the head coach. And 
Uh, so he needs to, to respond this year. And, and I've always thought if I'm going to get fired, if I'm, if I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose it doing it my way. You know, so yeah. I think he's doing it the way he wants to do it because if, if things don't go right, at least he can't say, I wish I would have. You know, I think that's I think that's the fear of any leader. I, in the end, it didn't turn out the way you wanted and you, you wish you would have done it different. I think that's taking regret out of the equation is what we see right now. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, go into the lake, go into the beach. And if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. We got a text from uh, Cody and Levac and Tommy, you were the one doing the interview. You might be better paraphrasing this than I do. He was talking about with Quincy McAdoo, he hasn't heard kind of the news. Coach told us that in the kind of the individual yeah. portion of media days and he kind of framed it outside of football a little bit. Cody's wondering what happened. If you if you missed it, uh, I guess it's been about two months ago, Quincy McAdoo was involved in a rollover accident on I-49 and is still in recovering. It's still recovering. Honestly, very lucky that it wasn't more serious than it turned out to be, but it, it was a series of complicated injuries from what we understand. And right now, when, when Coach has spoken to that, and he did at SEC Media Days last week, and, you know, phrases like we just want him to have a full, healthy recovery and a full, healthy life, things of that nature. So I, I, I'm not saying football's off the table and he's apparently been involved in meetings, but I think it, it, the, the idea of him being out there next uh, August 4th for the first practice, you can certainly take that off the table. You know, he also said he may get some, some good news in another two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, ultimately what's what's said there. I don't suspect his football is over. Now, when it resumes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. But might resume right away, might be a while. But I don't think he's played his last football from what I understand. But certainly the paramount concern is that, He's able to do everything he wants to be able to do when he's 45, 55, 65. And, and there's no guarantee, but you certainly want to make certain in this situation that you, you know, you've got everything in the proper order. I would assume that someone that's been through what he has been through, um, particularly an athlete that lifts, lifts weights on a regular basis, two, three, four days a week or whatever, five days in their program, that when you're, when you're going through what he's done with the rehab, there's probably a lot to just building your body back to be in football shape because I'm sure a lot of 
a lot of those gains he had made in the weight room are probably got to be regained again, so to speak. I don't know that. I've just, you know, we've all seen people in in uh, in walks of life that have went through something, a, a hospitalization, a long rehab and recovery. There is a process to building your strength back, and I would assume that there, there's probably some of that work that has to be done. I would imagine you're right. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. We, you can join the uh, conversation. We got a great text from Cody and Lavaca, 877-377-6963 on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Big college football news this week. Colorado is going back to the Big 12. Y'all, they were 27-76 and 76 in the Pac-12, and uh, some would call that move a failure. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. 2024 is the date that they will rejoin the Big 12 Conference. Of course, Deion Sanders, the head coach there. It's it's a, it's probably a lot of things, but the number one comes down to revenue. The Pac-12 commissioner didn't seem to have a steady hand when discussing the revenue setup and the the future goals of the conference. While the Big 12, they're set to make over $30 million, which is still not SEC or Big 10 money. But it's a lot oh, more than they're beginning to pack. Pac-12 doesn't well, have a TV deal, you know. Yeah, Pac-12 doesn't have a deal. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, um, you know, that. And look, they knew going into SEC media, or pardon me, Pac-12 media days, that they weren't going to have a deal. And Colorado's, you know, it's been reported now, and I'm certain it's true, that they began exploring this in earnest. You know, their first meetings were held in Chicago in May on this. So, um it's hit the fast track over the last 90 days or so. And um, just the, you know, what's happening with the Pac-12 right now. I mean, um, look, the, the, the attraction of the University of Colorado is not the Buffalo Athletic Program. The, the attraction is Dion. Um, he's the one that makes Colorado attractive. And my certainty now is that when Dion was hired, uh, they knew absolutely what their plan was part of the attraction Dion wants to get into dallas they want to recruit dallas that's where his off-season home is he wants to recruit texas and do it in a better fashion than what they've done it that's his plan and so all this has worked together toward colorado doing what they're doing now i don't think this is a seismic move by any stretch it signals further that the pac-12 is doomed at least the pac-12 as we know it is doomed mm-hmm. and um, so from that perspective, it I think for a lot of people sounds the death knell for the Pac-12. This is good for Colorado. I think it'll be good for the Big 12, but I don't think it's seismic by any stretch. So who would the powers be in a newly formed Big 12 after this season, going into the 24 season? If you said, all right, who are the, who are the elites? Who are the top three or four programs? Is Colorado in that conversation with Dion as their head coach? No, who are the no. who are going to be the powers? I guess TCU is the first name that comes to mind for me. Yeah, and, and you know, you just kind of the way you look at the way it's aligning right now. You've got the Big Ten, and I know they're coast to coast, but there's a big jump between Lincoln, Nebraska, and Los Angeles. There's a lot of America between Lincoln, Nebraska, and Los Angeles, and when you look at the way it's lining up right now. You've got the two major conferences that are going to operate in the vicinity of the Mississippi River and East. In the vicinity of the Mississippi River and East. And right now, it's kind of look, it's looking like the Big 12 is going to have their pick beyond UCLA and USC of gobbling up what's left. Now, I don't think that's bad. Um, I want the Big 12 to succeed. Because I think it's good for college football. I think it makes the game better. Guys, we're going to get bored if it's just the SEC and the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. We're going to get bored. We can say we won't, but we will. You need teams from all parts of the country as part of your your college football playoff. And I don't know if the uh, the Big 12, you know, they may have jumped the gun too soon on some of these, pardon me, some of these teams they've added because right now, Again, beyond USC and UCLA, it seems like everybody's ripe for the picking out there. So is it Oregon? Is it Arizona? Is it Arizona State? Who are the 
next ones out of the Pac-12 to make a move. I, I would think those Oregon would be number one on anyone's list of of the Pac-9. I guess it will be now uh, to go gobble up. Well, I don't know that Oregon. You know, and and I say this respectfully to their program, but traditionally, if you want to apply a college football tradition, they're a newcomer. I'm not saying they don't have a great brand, but I'm saying if you really want to apply tradition, they're a newcomer in that respect. I don't know that Oregon makes the Big Ten better. I don't know that Oregon makes the SEC better because you're talking about a lot of things in addition to football. Geography comes into play for Oregon and Oregon State and Washington and Washington State. That's a heck of a trip now. Mm-hmm. And they should be in some sort of Pacific Coast Conference, whatever you call it. Um, I'm not sure what their futures are going to be, but but I wouldn't um, I wouldn't go out there and get them. Yeah, the, the I think one, you need to. The one thing that I think will come into play is the Phoenix TV market's number eight in the country. It's a top ten market. That that's attractive. That's going to be attractive to commissioners and TV executives. Here's the thing, though. If the Phoenix market was that valuable, the Big 12 would already have a TV deal. Arizona and Arizona State, neither one you, of them are the college Pac-12, football. Pac-12, Pac-12, Pac-12 yeah, TV deal. If, if, if Phoenix was that valuable, the Pac-12 would have a deal. It's not a college football state. It's not a college football area. It's barely an NFL area, guys. And Phoenix very much is a pro city. I'm talking about the West Coast, Los Angeles even. Mm -hmm. It's barely pro football. Um, It's a different world. College football doesn't matter as much to them as it does to us. Neither Arizona nor Arizona State are college football brands. Neither one of them are SEC worthy. Neither one of them are, are Big Ten worthy. And the Phoenix market is a pro sports market. And, yes, it is top ten. But it's never delivered. In terms of college football numbers, it's never delivered. So I don't know that there's great value there. Normally I would say yes, for a top ten market there is. But the college football brands within that television, that top ten market, they're not any good. And – so it's just not a valuable commodity, I don't think. Well, that's. Uh, I guess we'll find out as we go because mean, those are two programs that'll probably go somewhere hand in hand. While they might not be valuable to the SEC and the Big Ten, I still think there's value there for the Big Twelve because again, there's a different level there. How, how many teams would that put them at now with Colorado in the fold? How many are they at now? I've lost track. It's it's just take take them to they were at 15? Tw- they were at twelve right okay because they lost. They were at 10, and they lost Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. That put them at 8, and, and then they, they added, added 4. Teams, that put them back to 12. 12. And they added Colorado's at 13. 13, right. So if they, and I don't, and you and I talked about this earlier. I don't know if there's a guarantee that Arizona and Arizona State would have to be attached to the hip. Maybe you just take Arizona. I would think that would be the bigger brand of the two. Neither uh, one of them's a big brand. You got to put the two of them together to have even close to one. But that's, I think, a. Football drives the bus, man. Arizona, if. If, if if basketball was driving the bus, Kansas would be a valuable property. No, that's true. That's true. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't – in a normal circumstance, I would say yes. Arizona and Arizona State and the Phoenix market, they bring a lot to the table. But when you look at what they have done or more accurately what they've not done in football and when you consider the fact that Phoenix is a Phoenix Cardinals, Phoenix Suns, Arizona Diamondback City. It is not an Arizona Wildcats. I mean, Tempe's right next door. It's like Springdale. And uh, they're lucky if they draw 30,000 people for a game. So they're they're, they're just not valuable commodities. And and I've spent some time, not a ton of time in Arizona, but it is a transient market. People retire there. They move there to spend their 60s and their 70s. It is a tourism market. It is not – I mean, I'm not saying there aren't natives to, to Arizona, but it is very much a transient state. Hey, you could put Nebraska against Illinois, play it in Phoenix. You draw a big crowd, yeah. maybe bigger than an Arizona State game. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, a lot of snowbirders move move there, and that's where they not only winter but retire. So, I mean, there there is a uh, a melting pot, if you will, of uh, different fan bases there. But uh, but but I agree with you, Chuck. It, it it's certainly not either of those brands are big. I'm just looking at what's on the table, what's available out of this out of this nine schools that remain in the Pac-12. It's not that, you know. And those are the best and, and, brands that appears to me. 
Well, and and, and 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 the larger point to me is at some juncture you have to ask yourself, are they SEC worthy? No. And they're not. And if they're not SEC worthy, then, you know, let somebody else have them. Hey, let's pause just for a second. I want to talk about something that's happening with Baxter Health right now. You're us talking about Baxter Health, North Central Arkansas, Southern Missouri, compassionate care beyond measure. They've got a great LPN residency program, and they've got a new start date coming up in September. Now, here's a little bit about the program. It gives new LPN grads a safe and educational introduction to the hospital setting. Gives LPNs experience as they transition from students to professionals. Now, they've got openings, and they've got openings in several different units right now. Pediatric, rehab, behavioral health, surgical, uh, home health, emergency. Uh, All of those units need you right now. You can connect, learn, you can grow your nursing career through their residency program. Now, if you want more information, their recruiter at Baxter Health's Kim Beavers. Here's her number, 870-508-1070. That's 870-508-1070. You can call her for more information. Baxter Health, compassionate care beyond measure. At the end of the year, your favorite music uh, device, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Music, Amazon, they create you a festival based on what you listen to the most. Now, Peacemaker Fest is this weekend. I know I'm going to be at that. Guys, if you had the opportunity to create your own festival with three artists, dead or alive, <laughs> past or present, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, who would they be? Here's my three. And I've said, I ruled out the ones that I've seen in concert already. I grew up listening to Alan Jackson. Alan would be up there. Chuck, I think you'll like this. We listen to Fleetwood Mac every day our senior year of college. So Fleetwood Mac would be there. And then Phil got me into Hall of Notes. So I would have Hall of Notes there as well. Gosh. Those would be my three for a festival, kind of all over the yard. I've just got this mental picture of you and Phil sitting around listening to a little Hall of Notes. <laughs> Good times. Gosh. Oh wow! Phil got I I didn't I didn't know what they were, and then he got me listening. Phil to Phil petting his cat when you guys <laughs> no. were doing this. <laughs> no. He's he's fond of that cat. He's very fond of that cat. What about I you, Chuck? It. What is your uh, what is your three? You got three artists to choose from for the Chuck Barrett Palooza Festival in Northwest Arkansas. Oh, I don't know. Um, well, you two would probably be there. We'd reunite Led Zeppelin, and. Um, if I was going to have a little country flair, we'd probably uh little Jerry Jeff Walker. How about that? Ooh. That'd be my three. Jerry Jeff Walker, Led Zeppelin, and U2. Now, how is that for an eclectic variety of musicians? Yeah. Well, if I could wind the clock back, I mean, and I've probably seen James Taylor in concert more than anyone. Don't say, don't be, don't say that but, one. Said, but he's the one. But I've seen. You it said Hall and Oates. I mean, I mean nothing. I mean, you know, I've never seen him in concert. Yeah, well, I've seen JT a bunch. So I'm going to go. I, I haven't seen Stapleton. So Stapleton, I would love to okay. be in Nashville this weekend. Stapleton and George Strait and Little Big Town are playing together. That'd be awesome there at Nissan. So Stapleton would absolutely be be one of those. George or Garth. Now that's a that's a tough one for me. Garth's the better entertainer. George has the better better list of, of number ones, I think, and they're, they're they're both great. I mean, that's like choosing between kids. So I'm going to I'm going to go Garth because I've seen George about ten times as well. And then I'm gonna go way off the board for the opening act. A, a, a new artist I found a couple weeks ago, a guy named Larry Fleet. Look him up. He's good. He's on Amazon. He is really good. He's, he, Morgan Wallen sings on one of his songs with him. It's a banger. Where I Find God. That is a awesome song. So those those would be my three. And, and Chuck, I know you would have never guessed this, but that song Tommy just referred to, it's about fishing. I know that's hard well, to that's, imagine. Well, there's Tommy one like, line in there about fishing, but it's a great song. Yeah. Well, ben Lines a, about sitting on a tractor, too, in there. Ben and Little Rock said Hall & Oates is great in concert, so I feel a little vindicated <laughs> there by that suggestion. I was just trying to go all over the board a little bit, trying to think of some unique ones. But Fleetwood Mac, man, I'm telling you, we listen to that every day senior year. Hadn't listened I, to it a lot since. But tell you another one. If, we, if, if I could get a fourth one, we'd, we'd put Chicago in there. That'd be a good one. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Bring bring Chicago back. So, All right. Uh, that, uh, that, that was a good discussion there because it is kind of festival music season. And, uh, boy, Nashville would be a great place to be this weekend for, uh, for a great show. 
Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. No surprise to see Budwall Arena is going to be sold out once again. Announced yesterday for the third straight season. Arkansas basketball will be sold out this year. I mean, every game's going to have 19-2, but guys, there's going to be some great games in Budwall with the SEC schedule. Duke coming into town. I know that Again, season ticket holders have to, to go about differently to get the Purdue tickets as well, but cannot wait for basketball this year. It's fun when your basketball program's good, and we've been lucky over the years that we've had eras now for everybody, it seems, that you've had a period where Arkansas has been really good in basketball. So enjoy it, and this ought to be a fun season. A lot of good games right here at home. Dre Greenlaw, named to the NFL Top 100 list. It's the 79th best player on NFL.com. Fayetteville Bulldog, Arkansas Razorback, San Francisco 49ers, one of the best linebackers in the National Football League. Tommy, I remember the first time my experience with Drake Greenlaw was his senior summer going into his freshman year of college. I watched him uh, tip dunk at the Fayetteville Athletic Club, and I asked my buddy who went to FHS, I said, who is that guy? I said, he's going to play a little college ball for Arkansas next year. And I said, and after that, I was like, yep, the, uh, he might have a, a future at some point. You know who his half-brother is? That would be Jacoby Criswell. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, some good athleticism runs, uh, runs in that family. Yep. I can tell you there are so many people in Fayetteville, and I'm talking about the Fayetteville High School people, the Fayetteville people, not just the ones who have moved to Fayetteville or the Razorback fans, but the Fayetteville people. They really know his story. I promise you they are happy for Dre Greenlaw. Mm-hmm. That is a young man who has made the most of every opportunity that he's been given. And he started from way back in the pack, folks. And uh, that is a great story. And couldn't be happier for any of our former players. Happy for all of them, but not happier for any of them than Dre Greenlaw. Yeah, to say he has overcome a lot to be where oh. he's at would be a, the, the gro- a gross understatement. Mm-hmm. So. And you bring up Jacoby Crystal. One of the things that Sam Pittman talked about us yesterday is, of course, he doesn't want KJ to get injured, but he feels solid we're there in the backup position. We need to keep him healthy. Now, I do believe that we're in much better shape than, than we've been in in a backup role since he was a backup at that spot with Criswell and Porton. I think that uh, we've got a good developmental quarterback is here with Singleton. But I think that's the key. you got to keep your big horse. You know, you got to keep him healthy. You know, I call him a horse because he's Clydesdale, you know, and, and he's Superman and all those type things. But if you keep your best player healthy, you've got a lot better chance of winning. 
Clydesdale is the ones that are in the Budweiser commercial, mm-hmm. right? Okay. That was, uh, I, I thought that was got a kick out of that. KJ probably, again, likes being called Superman because, of course, big Cam Newton fan growing up as well. That is going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 Sparky. All right, we got some picks. Again, 36 days out from Razorback football, even less than that from college football. So we're getting to a point about a month or so off where we'll be making college football picks. But for now, time to do some picks in the MLB. It is Fence Man Friday. Fence Man Friday Picks. Call the Fence Man for all kinds of fences, controlled access, and custom iron projects. 479-782-3936. The Fence Man. We ain't afraid of no work. All right, we'll start in Bush Stadium. I know the Cubbies took game one last night. I think there was a... Chuck, wasn't there a brawl or something yesterday? Well, there was, uh, you know, there were some words exchanged. The Cubs guy, Ian Happ, has one of these long swings, and it ended up hitting Contreras in the head and yeah. busted his head open. He had to leave the game, and so Michaelis, as a good pitcher does, protecting his teammate, drilled him. And uh, they threw him out of the game, threw Michaelis out of the game. And uh, neither one of those teams are any good. Cubs won last night. Yeah. They just played, what, last weekend and – at Wrigley. Yeah. So. You know, this I is think the Cubs. last start was against the Cubs last weekend. Yeah. You know, this is the Cubs' only trip to Bush Stadium this year. You know, they've got the balanced schedule this year where you play everybody. The Cardinals gave up their other homestand with the Cubs to go to London. That's why this is a four game series, and that was a two game series. So, um, you know, that's one of the things when you look at baseball and the results and how it's gone this year. Everybody's playing everybody. You don't just get to pick on the guys in a weak division. And so, um, I think that's had an effect on things, too. But this is the only time the Cubs come to Bush. That just doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't. Yeah. Well, Chuck, do they rally? Do they win the next three, or they they tie it up after this series? There will be a split in this four-game series. That's what I had as well. Tommy, Nobody's going to win the series. What do you think? Cardinals going to win the series. Cardinals. You guys are downing the Cardinals. That means they're going to win three straight. That's right. Trading day. The trading deadline. It's coming up Monday mm-hmm. night. That's right. where the Cardinals are going to be their busiest over the next three or four days making trades. Um, and you're drinking. They know out, what they're doing. You're drinking out of your Cardinals koozie this morning, so I yeah. assume that that was uh, absolutely going to be the case. Twins at the Royals, guys. Royals are bad. Twins. Pretty I don't know how you pick the Royals. I mean, no. I'll take Minnesota. Have they won thirty games yet? I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think Kansas City's up to thirty yet. I don't think I, the, they're brutal. I mean, they're brutal. Yeah. Minnesota. Rangers at the Padres. Last game we're picking. I'm going to take the visiting team. I'm going to take Texas in this one. Bruce Bochy back in San Diego. I'm going to go with the Rangers. I'll go with the Padres just to uh, to go oppo taco on you guys. Oppo taco. I remember when Bruce Bochy was a left-handed hitting yeah. catcher for the Padres. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. Check that in your baseball reference, Ty. There you go. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. The question's good. I mean, we talked about this earlier. You know, the, the brands, is it Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon? We, we didn't talk about Washington. But, uh, well, you know, I'd wonder too when when we get Brad back here. What you know, maybe a little bit of the background of what led to Colorado 
making the move because when we talk about who's next, they're going to be a lot of next if they don't come up with a TV deal. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of nexts. And um, so I'd be interested to know if we get Brett back what what kind of led to this Colorado move and mm-hmm. what the prospects for a TV deal are for the Pac-12 because that's the key to their survival. And what's your, what, what's your sales pitch if you're the Pac-12 right now? I mean, what is your sales pitch to ESPN? I'm not sure. To Fox, to yeah. somebody to air your games? And well, how, do you get, how do you get money that's attractive to your schools? If you look right now, the way Fox – you know, has promoted, you know, they're going to show Colorado's game uh, to start the year. They're not promoting Colorado. They're promoting Dion. And my point is one of the Pac-12, you know, one of the one of the negotiating tidbits that they had in their corner was, we got Dion. We got the most, you know, we've, we've got one of the hottest TV guys, TV properties in college head coaching. Well, as we look back at it now, this may be something for Brett, too. Um... You know, they've known all along when they hired Dion that they were going to the Big 12. And so maybe that's why the Pac-12 doesn't have a TV deal. It's because all those guys have known it too. Mm -hmm. Well, here's something interesting. I was reading this story in The Athletic, and one of the things that when Brett Yormack and the rest of the Big 12 schools met for when all all this thing started happening, excuse me, after the fact of the Oklahoma-Texas stuff, they immediately brought up Colorado. And unanimously, unanimously, every single one of those people were like, this needs to happen. And, of course, they unanimously voted to let Colorado rejoin the Big 12 yesterday. So you brought the Dion effect. This was something that the Big 12 had con- had concocted and come up with early on in this process, yeah. and we're just seeing it play out in front of our eyes this week. Yeah. Well, you know, I wondered when the Colorado job came open, you heard different names that were established, you know, that might be interested in that job. And I found that a little bit puzzling. I'm going to be very honest with you. I was a little bit surprised that Dion went from Jackson State to Boulder, Colorado. And I sort of wondered, why would he do that? Why would Dion go to the outlier in the Pac-12? Why would he do that? Well, I think now we know mm-hmm. because they were coming home. And Dion was going to have a chance to recruit his backyard. Now, if he's good at it, Colorado will be good. If Dion's not good at it, Colorado will continue to be what they've been. But as you look back now, the pieces seem to fit together. You know, we, we're always trying to figure this out as we go along. And, and lots, you know, in fact, most every time, it's the benefit of hindsight when you really figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at this now, and, and it's very obvious that this was part of the plan, and it seems fairly obvious that this is at least part of the reason, with Dion leaving the league, why the Pac-12 doesn't have a television deal yet. So is the biggest piece of property remaining the Pac-12, is it Oregon over Washington and Arizona? Even though from a regionality standpoint, it's the farthest north. I'm trying to think where north. It's close to northwest with Washington, but is that still the biggest draw for any conference to try and get Oregon out of the Pac-12 or them being interested in another place, or is it another school that y'all think? And how much of, of Oregon's brand and their cachet is tied to Nike? Uh, and you you assume that relationship will continue, but uh, you know I think Oregon is almost synonymous with the Nike brand mm-hmm. in, in a lot of fans' eyes. I don't know if that's reality, but Chuck, I think that's how a lot of people view uh, the Oregon program. Well, they do, but they're not the only program that wears Nike. And, um, you know, well, there are lots of great programs that wear that Nike swoosh. So, yeah, but know, they were the first ones to have, you know, yeah, 500 but, ensembles of jerseys and helmets yeah, and all that stuff. And, so. But, but, but I, I don't, you know, the Big Ten might. I mean, they might. But does that make the Big Ten better than the SEC if they go get Oregon? I don't think it does. I, mean, I think you you, you got to have a quality. This has got to be, if it's not in a contiguous state that expands your footprint, it's got to be a national brand. And that's what Oklahoma and Texas did for the SEC. They did both. They expanded and uh, your, your contiguous footprint, and Oklahoma and Texas are both national brands. I think those are the qualifiers that any league should be looking for is national brand. I think Oregon is a national brand, but I don't think they're brand enough to go to the Pacific Northwest. I don't think they're that kind of brand. I don't think you skip over the entire country from your SEC footprint to go to Oregon. 
I don't think they're that big. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any package, frankly, of teams that the Pac-12, you know, what's what's left of the Pac-9, 8, whatever it is, I don't think there's any package of teams out there that would make the Big Ten or the SEC better. And I don't know, in the final analysis, regardless of television market size, I don't know if they love college football the way we do. Uh I just don't know if they're going to draw the numbers. I just don't know what they bring in that respect. Now, I'll say this. I had a buddy that went to uh, accounting school up there from Arkansas, and he said that he felt like an SEC. Eugene's a very unique place. I'm talking about the region. I'm not just talking about the town. Eugene's not a, you know, this is not a $3 million metropolitan, 3 Mm -hmm. million person metropolitan area. I'm sure it is a big deal in Eugene. I'm talking about the region, the coast as a whole, from Southern California all the way up to the Canadian border. Football does not move the knee college football yeah does not move the needle as much there as it does in our part of the world I mean, just the, only, the only time we've seen it is usc with bush and liner in that era now, other than that we really haven't seen it in 20 20 years and you didn't have the rams there at the time too that's something else you have to account for when discussing th- those early usc teams I, i'd be curious to see how many oregon fans you saw in the portland area which portland of course the biggest metroplex in oregon was something i was again it's a pro sports city yeah it's a pro sports city trailblazers and everything Something, again, Greg Sinke was asked about this at SEC Media Days, and he already deemed the SEC as a super conference, which I don't think there's a ton of pushback on that when you add Oklahoma and Texas. If I said, hey, in six and a half years, by 2030, will the Southeastern Conference add two more schools to the the league? And let's say those two schools were Clemson and Florida State, as we brought up before. Do you say yes or no? Do you think if, if given the chance, if given the opportunity that they would take Clemson and Florida State. It doesn't expand the television footprint, but it does expand brands in college football. It's a six-year timeline to Sankey do that. I'd say no. I mean, I, I don't... Now you're just slicing the pie that probably isn't going to grow by two more teams, two more universities. Everybody makes less money. I, I can't see where you'd vote that in. I think it's more likely that that would happen than you would go out and uh, gobble up what's left in the Pac-12. I do think there's going to be expansion. I think television markets matter, but it's not the only thing that matters. And if the SEC is a super conference right now, um, you know, I don't know that, for example, adding, you know, you're not going to have a team in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the markets that are available, you know, for the SEC to add. Um, There's just not many of them out there. Uh, you're not going to go to Phoenix. I, I, I do not see the day when the SEC is in Phoenix. I don't see the day when the SEC is in the Pacific Northwest. I just don't see it. So when you talk about television markets, once you get to Denver, you know, I mean, Salt Lake, I, I mean, just, you know, look at the map. There's just not that many places to go. So if I was going to pick a yes or no answer to your question, I would say yes. Because I think those two programs give you an opportunity to continue to dominate college sports and college football in an area where that matters most. So, again, you know, odds are they're going to add somebody before 2030. But is there a chance Clemson and Florida State would be at the top of that list? Yes, I think there is. Is there any any sliver of hope that the SEC could add Notre Dame? Is it just a priest? Can- preconceived notion and thought that they're going to the Big Ten at some point in time, whether it's they're, in five years, ten years. But Their deal is so strong, though, with NBC, they they don't have to do anything. Now, the mm-hmm. concern would be all the other sports that they're they're tied in with the ACC now, outside of football, but and they have that scheduling partnership with the ACC, mm-hmm. but I mean... I would be surprised I'd if be, that happened. Yeah, I would too, just because of where they're sitting financially. And the ACC very quick during COVID, if you remember, to add Notre Dame to their schedule. In well, that's, that's, that's the key to their survival, in my opinion, from the outside looking in with the ACC. Um, and unfortunately, the ACC is in no negotiating position because if Notre Dame were to join them in a full-fledged fashion, they'd have to abide by the TV deal that the conference has. They've got their own TV deal. So... Um, but 
you know, that's a different subject. But to answer your question, I, I'd be very surprised if the SEC and Notre Dame ever partnered up. Let's go to the McClarty Daniel hotline. Again, our number 877-377-6963. The mouth is in Stuttgart. Brent, 36 days out to Arkansas football, man. Welcome in. Ready to rock and roll. I, just, I can't wait. I'm telling you. I've, I've got it. I had to take me a few weeks off not being as regular a caller as usual, just get, getting the right frame of mind. Well, now you, you're ready, Brent. Brent's did you find back. it? He's ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. And this, let me tell you, uh, Colorado just made uh, the Pac-12 look like the little sisters of the poor, which they are. Okay? Uh it's a great move for Colorado to go back to the Big 12. Um, Dion can recruit the areas that he knows, Dallas, Houston, uh, the South. It'll, it'll be a great move for Colorado. And I'm betting on Dion being mega, mega successful at Colorado now. I'm just, that's just my thoughts on it. And I would, te- I would like to hear your guys' answers. I think it's going to take him a little bit. I mean, I don't think, uh, what, they go 1-11 last year, I think? Here's the question, right? Conferences have made decisions. Schools have made decisions based on the coach. I think that's what we've been discussing for 10 10 or more minutes here. If he goes and he wins 10 or 11 ball games and and there's a knock on the door from an SEC power to pay him $10 million a year, can Colorado keep him? He's gone. I mean, and that's the point. They've made all these plans centered around him a couple, three great years, and I, I don't think he's there any longer. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. They were 1-11. in 11. Well, the 10 or 11 wins, they're a long way well, from I, that. I and, and, and they may not get there, but um, he is the linchpin in terms of Colorado's attractiveness right now. There's no doubt about it. And he will, uh, I think he'll do well there. Um, it's all about recruiting. It's all about recruiting. If he can go get the players, they'll be fine. Hey, they were dominant at Jackson State. He went and got the players. Yeah. You ever been to Jackson State's campus? <laughs> in, you ever been there? Is that Alabama or no. Jackson State, Jackson, Mississippi? Mississippi, yeah. Not great. No, I've not, uh, um, not been there. So, so uh, you know, you think Boulder's an outpost. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Jackson, Mississippi. A lot of fine people there, but there's no comparison in terms of football facilities, things of that nature. So what I'm saying is, is he got him to come there. He can get him to come, come to Boulder, here. Colorado. He won't have any trouble. I think he'll do well there. No, I, I agree. I I just don't, you know, you've made long-term commitments here, long-term plans based on him in, in, in many regards, and I don't know that you can But everybody does that. You know, I don't know, I don't know that, that schools jump leagues but, or leagues invite schools based on a coach yeah, I, very I, often. I, I think this is a rare example in that regard. Oh, you're right. You're right about that. And. We also have to yeah, because look. I don't think any of us agree Colorado would be making this move if it wasn't for Dion being their coach. Well, they might be making it, but you know it wouldn't be as seismic as it is. And the Big Twelve might be saying, "Yeah, if you want to come back, we'll let you back." It's not one of those deals they'd be celebrating like they are now. Yeah, they're acting like the prodigal sons come home, and I don't know <laughs> that that's quite right. What are you doing to stay cool this weekend? I think that's what everybody's talking about outside of sports. It's going to be a hundred and two degrees about everywhere. You're listening this morning. What are you doing to stay cool this weekend? I'm going to be sweating my mm-hmm. what off. Pulling the blinds and running the AC <laughs> at full blast. Set up a little cave. Set up a little cave in the yeah. house. You'll have that box fan right in front of you. Yeah, concert tonight and tomorrow night. Golf on Sunday and Monday. I am not necessarily adhering to oh, that. You're going to uh, you're going to be hot this weekend. You better hydrate. Uh, hydrate. Yeah. Uh, plenty of water. Plenty of water, I guess. But are you going to stay indoors or what are you going to? Oh, I'm. I'm going to play golf this weekend, so stay hydrated, my friends. But uh, yeah, I know that's what everyone's thinking about this weekend. I mean, the forecast for about another week. I mean, it's, it's August. I mean, we're we're on the doorstep of August. It's it's supposed to be hot, but it's uh, it is going to be an exceptionally hot weekend here across hey, our state. Well, if you're playing golf this weekend, and those who do this know exactly what I'm talking about, you're looking for the shade trees. You're yep. looking for the shade by the tee box. <laughs> you go find if you hit it in the middle of the fairway. You go. Check your distance, then you hightail it over next to a tree. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the ball into the woods, 
you take advantage of the factor in the shade for a little bit. So that's just kind of how it is when you play summer golf. Uh, I may have to find one of the cooling towels or whatever you, you dip in the cooler and it wraps like around your things. neck. They're good. It yeah. is, Tommy, like it is things. National Water Park Day. So maybe you can take the kiddos to the water park later on today if you want to stay cool. Does that sound appealing? Mm, no. Well, maybe for them. It doesn't sound very appealing for me. So, yeah, the, although the, the, you know the, the words "lazy" and "river" are two of my favorite ones to, to, to put together, you know, I was always a fan. Won't be lazy at the river. The wave pool is something I always, uh, yeah. always enjoyed. But there, I guess there's there's several water parks within the state of Arkansas. I know thumbs have changed over the years. I miss Lake Atlanta. That was my favorite. Or, at, sorry, what's it called? Atalanta. 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 Yeah. I screwed up that up. I forgot you, we we talked about that, but. Uh, Tommy, you you invited me to go play golf, but I don't want to hold you guys up. If yeah, you guys aren't, it wasn't a hearty invite. It was. So. If you guys aren't, uh, you guys. Hey, if are, you want to play, you know, uh, yeah, I guess might, you we might come. need an eighth. We we'll probably get you in. Uh, but yeah. now these guys play fast. Yeah. You know, these guys play fast. I play fast. I just don't play good. I mean, Chuck, you played with me before. I play fast. It's just you know, it's going right, it's going left. The key it's, is to know when to put it in your pocket. Going in the, going in the middle. What do you? We just pick up, man. Just pick yeah. up. Y'all pick up after double bogeys. We do have four. Here's the deal about golf, Ty. Most people that play, they don't care if you're any good or not. They're too worried about their game yeah. to worry about yours. And so as long as you play fast, nobody cares if you shoot 95. Nobody really does care. I'm, now, if you shoot 95 and you, like, stand over the ball for 15 or 20 seconds or, like, you're 240 out and somebody's on the green and you go, I'm going to go for it, so I'm going to wait. Um, you know, if you're one of those guys. Yeah then you're no fun to play with. But as long as you pick up and keep pace, don't worry about I, it. Uh, I would kill to shoot 95, yeah. Chuck. And just keep the cooler full. I mean, if you're not going to play any good, keep the beer flowing. That, that That's your job when you, when things aren't, do uh, that. aren't going well. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.